0: I'm Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my uh, joy and my privilege to be uh, a pastor here. And it is my uh, joy and honor to be able to uh, preach to uh, preach Jesus to you today from this passage in Mark. So I'm, I'm real excited about that. Um, I hope I don't offend anyone. I'm, I do plan on wearing this hat during, during the message uh, to prevent the rain from landing on my glasses. So I hope that doesn't offend anyone. I find it providential that uh, uh, Ben Johnson was pointing out to me that it says stay outside on on my hat. So I I take that as a sign from the Lord that I should keep it on. And so (laughs) it's really a joy for me to see all you guys here just to know your dedication and commitment and uh, to the word and to each other. It really is a testimony to me and a great encouragement to me Uh, when When I was landscaping, one of the hardest things for me as I was training new employees was uh, to help them understand what to do when it rains. And so (laughs) uh, today we are going to read uh, sort of about how Jesus is training his apprentices or training his disciples and even though it's difficult out here, um, I'm so thankful that you guys are here, that you're braving this difficulty. As, as and as we read this text, we'll also understand a lot of the difficulties that Jesus faced and his disciples faced. And so, couldn't help but just making that reference uh, as I was thinking about apprentices, and we all we all know what apprentices, uh, you know, what takes place when you have an apprentice, when you're training somebody. You can have all the knowledge in the world you can even be uh, you can watch your boss or the person training you all day long but it's a totally different scenario when you finally get out there and you're doing it yourself when you get your feet wet in the activity when you participate there's a there's a different learning curve that takes place when that happens in any field any career uh, any any job any task there's that moment where you have that day by yourself, you have that project by yourself, you have that task by yourself, and you've been sent out by your employer, by your trainer, uh, even possibly by your parents to go out into the world and 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 to fulfill what they've called you to do. And so that's what we're seeing here today in our text. Today, the disciples are finally being sent out. Up to this point, they've just been spectators. They've They've just been... Uh, participating, but now they get to enter into the activity here. And we should see this passage not primarily as a detailed list of directions one, two, three, four, five, or like a bullet point list. This is exactly how you do it. But this passage gives us direction it points the It points us in the right direction of what we should be doing and the perspective that we should have as disciples. There are some things in this passage that are not going to be one to one applicable to our day and our time, but we would be we would be wise to examine this passage to find out what direction it is that Christ would want us to go as his disciples. We need to know when He sends us out into the world, what, what should be our mindset? What should be our direction? What, what, where should we go? And so I'm encouraging you, as you have possibly been around the Christian faith for a while, uh, we, we as a culture generally, we talk a lot about Jesus, we read about Jesus, we're in the church a lot, but the, the sending aspect is one that we often are lacking in. And so I'm hoping that this morning this will give us some encouragement and some, uh, some energy, some gumption to kind of take that step forward, that next step to be sent out by our Savior. Um, the key elements that are in this passage are applicable to us today. We may not have a one-to-one, it may not be a list of directions and there may not be one-to-one application, but the key principles, the model that Jesus is teaching here is applicable for us and we need to hear it as His disciples. The main idea of this message is that Jesus sends His disciples to advance His kingdom. It's that simple. And how... Disciples are sent like King Jesus is the question we are going to be answering. How are disciples sent like King Jesus? We're going to look at three parts in this text today. Verse 7 through 8, by trusting in the King. Disciples are sent by trusting in the King. And then verse 10 through 11, disciples are sent by gathering the King's people. Disciples are sent by gathering the King's people. And then the last verses 12 through 13, we're going to look at how disciples are sent by displaying the king's kingdom. So we're trusting the king, we're gathering the king's people, and we're displaying the king's kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we come to this passage and we're just so thankful that you've written your message down. We're so thankful that you've written a, a book for us, that you have authored a book that, um, that reveals yourself to us. You, you, you want to reveal yourself to us and you want us to go out and display you to the world. We, you want us to take part in that. So we're just we're so thankful for the Bible and we're thankful for this morning, this opportunity we have to worship you together with this passage. Would you incline our hearts to your testimonies here? Would you open our eyes to see the wonders of your word here? Turn our eyes from looking at selfish things. Would you unite our hearts to fear your name this morning? And would you give us great joy this morning in taking part in this mission? We ask this for your glory, for your praise, and in your name. Amen. I'm going to read for us verse 7-9 through and then we'll just kind of walk our way through it step by step. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. So finally... The disciples are being sent, right? I mean, when they were called, Jesus told them, I will make you fishers of men. And then later on in, verse, uh, in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, He appointed the twelve so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. The whole point of their discipleship was to be with Jesus so that they could be sent out by Jesus. That was the point from the very beginning when he called them. And the same with you and with me. This should not just terminate on ourselves. He calls us to him to send us out to take part in his mission in the world. And so finally now we are seeing that the disciples are no longer extras in the story. They are actors in God's story. They are no longer spectators, but now they are participants. And they are partners in this. They've been with Jesus. So now they're being sent out by Jesus. And they're being sent out two by two. And there are some uh, practical reasons that this might be happening. One for safety and one just that the kingdom might advance further this way. Instead of going out in a group, if you split up, you might be able to reach more people. Those are some practical reasons that uh, Jesus might be saying this. But there are two other reasons that are much more important for us to focus on here today. The first being that he sends them out in community. They are not doing this by themselves. They're doing this with each other. And it has always been this way from the beginning of time that Jesus has always been about saving a people to display his glory to, to display his glory through. That's how this works. He wants to save a people and he wants us to participate in this mission together. And we do that here at Harvest through our community groups, through our discipleship classes, through discipleship relationship, men's ministry, women's ministry, youth group. These are all ways that we participate in this life together. And we don't just participate with these these ministries. This community is not just so we can get to know one another. The disciples, the group of 12, they weren't there just so that they can talk fishing stories and uh, stories between tax collectors and the fishermen. Oh man, we're so different, but we're all so alike this way. I mean, those are great conversations that we have and I've had with many of you. But the purpose here is that he is sending the community out together. He is sending them out on mission. And so same with us. We, We are together because there is something unique when we go out together into the world. When we go out in pairs or in groups into the world, when we go out in community, it's important that we continue this. The other reason that Jesus sent them out two by two was because this would have been uh, this would have went along with the judicial and the Jewish history of sending out witnesses. Having more than one witness, having two witnesses, was to validate the truth of a statement. And and he was sending them out as representatives or as delegates of himself, of his mission. So this was a way that he was identifying to the people that he was sending to. Hey, this is a true and authoritative message. And in fact, in that culture, a delegate or a representative or an ambassador that was sent out was one as it it was as if Jesus himself had went. That, that's what an ambassador is. That's what a delegate is. It's as if Jesus had went. They were going in the name of Jesus. They were doing it like Jesus. They were speaking about Jesus. That's why they were going. They were going as his representatives. I mean, that's a great that's that's to me just shocking that Jesus would do this, that he would empower his disciples to go in his name and that he empowers us to go in his name. They were appointed as representatives, but as I mentioned, they were also sent out with authority. The one sending Jesus has such authority. He has such control over the supernatural world that he is able to give it to other people. That, that's just amazing to me. And there's, there's here in the text no reference. We need to be careful. There's no reference to a permanent office or a continuation of this type of ministry. These specific instructions do not have a general application for them or even a permanent application for us. These instructions were relevant for them at this particular time and in this particular place. But like I said earlier, we we may not be able to take specific instructions, but we need to take up the directions. It's not instructions, one, two, three, but it's the direction that Jesus is calling them to go. So they go out with the authority of Jesus. They go out with His power, What's so interesting is okay, he sends them out 2 by 2. This sounds great. He sends them out with authority, with all this authority they could cast out demons, they could heal the sick. This sounds amazing. And then Jesus says, take nothing with you. It's like, "Oh, okay. I thought this this was going this was going somewhere, man. Like this was this was good. Like I was getting excited about this, but then you say then you say don't take anything. Um only the simplest items for the mission were allowed." No food, no money, no bag for supplies, or maybe the bag was to beg with. We, we don't know. There's no extra tunic to keep you warm on a cold night. Nothing but the minimal requirements for the mission. That's all Jesus says. The staff and the sandals and the clothes you have on. I, I'm just like, hold on here. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know that I can commit to that. Where Jesus, where are the directions? Where's the bullet point list on how to cast out a demon? Like where where's the list on how to heal the sick? You know, I I, I want to know some answers here. I want I want to have some more uh supplies here. You know, I'm I'm in a, an outdoor adventurist, I'm a I'm a backpacker, and I love uh I love how they started putting years ago on the inside of the backpacks the 10 essentials for your journey. I just I love that because like when I was teaching other people, I'm like, yeah, that's that's what you need to bring. And it just, I don't know, it just makes you feel you have this sense of comfort. Like I brought all the stuff, so if something bad happens, like, I, I got it, like I got the 10 essentials. And that is the very point why Jesus is not telling them to bring those things with Him, with them, because He wants them to trust Him. That is why He's not giving them a, a huge, list of thi- <clears throat> a huge list of things to take, because He wants them to trust Him. This instruction to take nothing is to increase their dependency on Him. And in the kingdom of God, so that all prior attachments to material security would vanish. This was a complete trust in God and what he was doing in the world. This was a complete trust for their food, for their shelter. As representatives, complete trust in God. And are we, are, like, are we to go out like this? Is this how we're supposed to go out? Well, again, not necessarily. It's not a one-to-one application, but we should be challenged. These were the minimum requirements. This was a simple way of living. This was a simple way of going out. We should be challenged as Christians today, as disciples of Christ. Does this represent us? And there are two... um, there are two main reasons why he, um, he sent them out with little. One I already mentioned, the trust. He wanted them internally not to be attached to physical, uh, material possessions. So it was for the disciples' own heart. But it was also to confirm the, valid, the validity of the message. I mean, if someone shows up and, they, and they're like, hey, this is a life and death message, but it looks like they're more concerned about their own physical comfort, like that doesn't make sense. People aren't going to listen to that type of message. So this is not a call to asceticism. This is not a call for purposefully suffering. That's that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is he wants them to depend on him and he wants the message to be extremely clear. He doesn't want anyone to get confused what the disciple's main priority is and what his main priority is. In fact, Jesus himself didn't have a place to lay his head, the scripture says. He traveled around. So this is how the disciples were to be sent out as well. And again, this is not not, um, a call to uh, get rid of all your physical possessions, but this is a call to examine, like are you living simply so that your heart is not tied to these physical things and so that the message of the gospel is clear to other people that look on your life that your life is not about these things, that your life is about trusting in the Lord. It's about His mission and His message. This is an introduction to the disciples to get their feet wet and learn of the total trust that they needed to have in Jesus, in His mission, and the trust that they were going to be called to have. And I'm just asking you, how do you feel God has been challenging you to trust Him? That's what He's doing here. He's asking them to trust Him. Completely. As the disciples are sent out like King Jesus, trusting in his authority and power, we also are like our king as we gather his people. Looking at verse 10 through 11, it says, And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. This culture would have been very uh, familiar with, uh, with receiving, with hospitality, traveling teachers. That was normal. And Jesus instructs them to do this uh, for two reasons. One was so that the, uh, the people that they were staying with would not be offended. It's, not, it, it's so that um, the disciples wouldn't go and try to pick the best place to stay in town. It's like, no, you need to accept with gratitude the the people that that are extending hospitality to you. Just receive that with gratitude. Don't be looking around for the best place to stay. That's one of the reasons why uh, Jesus was telling them. The other reason was to develop a relationship with one particular family, one particular person. He didn't want them bouncing all around. Just Can you imagine if they stayed in that town for two days with one person, the different, like if, I just imagine them like having breakfast with that family and going out in the street and teaching or healing. There would have been a lot of ministry collateral. There would have been a lot of ministry exposure that family would have had. And so that, that is another reason why Jesus had them just go to one town. But the main reason I would say was because he didn't want, again, he was emphasizing the, simpl- the simplisticness of their mission. He didn't want them to get distracted and finding the best bed and breakfast to stay at every town. He just wanted them to go and, and whoever gave them hospitality, receive it as from the Lord and, and continue your ministry. But he also talks here about rejection. Although it was common to be received as a traveling preacher into people's homes, it was not common, generally speaking, to be rejected. But as we learned last week, Jesus feels the rejection very common in his time. And so he knows his disciples are going to feel this type of rejection as well. And so he gives them instructions on what to do. We also should take note that next week we're going to learn about John the baptizer. And he was rejected and even killed. And this text, we'll even talk about this later in a few minutes, this text finds itself situated between these two rejections. So it's very interesting here that Jesus is giving them specific instructions on what to do when they are rejected. And they're very interesting instructions to us to shake the dust off of your feet. And he's telling them this for two reasons. It's a sign of separation and it's a sign of warning. It's a sign of separation because the Jewish people at that time, when they would travel out of the Holy Land, especially if you were really pious, or you were really religious, or you were a religious leader, when you traveled out of the Holy Land and back in, you would shake the dust off of your feet because you didn't want to pollute the Holy Land with the pagan dust, with the pagan dirt. So you would shake the dust off of your feet. And so it was a sign of separation. Hey, we, don't, we are separate from you. And so we don't want that here. It was also a sign of God's judgment. It was a warning. It should have warned those people. Like if you saw someone leave your town or leave your house and do that, it was like it it should have been shocking because that person is basically saying you could very well be cut off from the blessing of God. You could be cut off from God's love, from his care. And so it was a sign. It was a warning of God. And so in a similar way, but more true way, In a surprising way, this is what the disciples were doing. And to me, this was really shocking to me. Because we're not talking about the geographical uh, parameters of the Holy Land or the nation of Israel. We're not talking about the, uh, you know, are you a Hebrew, are you not, are you a Jewish, Jewish or are you not. What Jesus is talking about here is what you're doing with His message. With what you're doing with Him, how you're responding to Him. So the disciples are going into these towns and if someone is rejecting them, they're going out of the town and they're shaking the dust off. So they're basically saying, hey, you might be trusting in your lineage, your heritage or in your geographical location, but that's not enough. That's not enough. That will not get you salvation. That will not get you into the kingdom of God. So he was this is like the political redistricting on a cosmic scale, right? This is like rezoning on a cosmic scale. God is not set he is he's is redefining the kingdom, who's in and who's out. Some people would call this sifting and gathering. That's what the disciples are doing here. They are gathering God's people and it's really easy to look and say, oh man, wow, this, the, the Jewish people, that, they were real pious and religious and self-righteous when they did that. And the disciples are creating this new kingdom. That's really cool. But what is shocking is we, we really like to, you know, when we look at our own hearts, we really like to latch on to things that are not the gospel, that are not true, that make us feel like we're on the winning side as well, right? We like to have all kinds of division in our society today. From the beginning of time, there's been divisions. All, all, all kinds. Some of them are um, serious. Some of them are more lighthearted. Some of them are sinful. Some of them are not. Some of them are helpful. Some of them are not helpful. But there's always been the div- divisions. There's always been dividing here. There's a new type of dividing that's taking place. But I want us, I want us to understand that like this, you know, we 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 love to divide. We divide young and old, native or foreigner black or white, vaccinated, unvaccinated, Republican, Democrat. Those are the things that we like to divide over. But Jesus is calling people here. No, there is a cosmic message here. There is a a cosmic thing that we all have to deal with. And this is who Jesus is. This is when we interact with his message and his display of his kingdom. What kind of decision are we going to make? This division of who's in the kingdom and who is not in the kingdom is the most important division that we could ever imagine. And that's what his disciples are taking part in. And I, I just have to ask myself and ask us, like, how often are, are we, How often do we put our trust and our hope in being on the winning side of whatever dividing market is that you, that you like to get worked up about? We all have them. But is, is it this? Are, are you going out like this to gather His people? And I just also have to bring up, like th- this is a very urgent message that the disciples are sending. It's an urgent message that's demanding a response. Repent of your sin and trust in God, the true King who is willing to take care of your sins. This is less of a discussion and more of a defining moment. That's what it's not. It's not a it's not a it's not a a argument that's going on here. It's a hey, here's 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 the kingdom. Yes or no. That's what's happening here. And so you say, well, Matt, is that how I'm supposed to like share the gospel? And not necessarily. But the point still remains, there was an urgency to their mission at this time. They had a specific geographical parameters and time limit. And so they they needed to be urgent in their message. And so the same with us, though, when we're having conversations and building relationships with people, there needs to be some sense of urgency within our spirit to get to the gospel. Like, and and it might be the course over weeks, it might be months, but there is at some point that needs to be discussed and talked about. And every person has to come to um, a crossroads where they decide, am I going to trust this king? Am I going to follow this king? Am I going to follow Jesus? Or am I going to go my own way? And so I I must ask, like, have you made that decision? Have you uh, made, uh, have you come to that crossroads? And as these disciples were being sent by Jesus, trusting in Jesus, gathering his people, they are also displaying the king's kingdom. We read in verse 12 through 13. So they went out proclaiming that people should repent, and they cast out demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This message here to repent sounds very similar to John the Baptist's message. If you read carefully, you'll read it just says repent. Jesus' message was repent and believe the kingdom is near, the kingdom is here. I'm bringing the kingdom. But the disciples' message here and uh, John's message was more just repent. And why is that? That is because they had not even fully grasped themselves the full extent of this mission. They were not aware even fully like how, um, how near this kingdom was. That they were actually eating dinner with the king. They were with the king. They were being sent out by the king. They had not fully grasped that yet. And so... We are on the backside of His whole life, his, the cross and His resurrection. We have more pieces of the puzzle than the disciples did. But we also are still waiting on a kingdom to come when His kingdom will come in full. And so we have some uh, similarities to the disciples here in, in, in their perspective. We also are preparing the way for the coming kingdom. The kingdom that, is, that has come and is coming again in its fullness. We are preparing the way. They may not have understood the nearness of the kingdom, but they were displaying the coming kingdom by following the king's instructions. The proclamation of repentance is only a part of what they were doing. Interestingly, the text records no instructions from Jesus about preaching We only know that their ministry involved preaching because Mark's summary here in these two verses. The emphasis in this passage is on the disciples' instructions of what they are doing. And in these verses, preaching is only one of the three aspects of their ministry. They were also casting out demons and healing the sick. And let's not forget that these were average men. These were average men that had just been with Jesus. This display of the kingdom was foreshadowing of the ultimate deliverance that Jesus would bring to those in bondage to sin and finish the work on the cross. And this this oil here was commonly used for medicinal purposes, but it was more common and applicable here to symbolize God's presence, His grace, His power. It also symbolized His care and, and to restore a person. These were average men that got to take part in displaying God's kingdom in this way. And we may not have the power to cast out demons and we may not have the power to heal the sick, but we can go into our communities and into our workplaces and into our homes and into our relationships and still display the kingdom. We display the kingdom when we care for the marginalized, for the downcast, for the rejected, we display the kingdom when we partner with ministries like IJM and Invisible Girl Project and Lifeline. We display the kingdom when we enter into, whenever we enter into a conflict with our children with love and compassion. These are all ways that we display the kingdom. Sometimes it can just be in everyday acts of kindness that we display the kingdom. As disciples, we trust in the king. We gather the king's people, and we display the king's kingdom. And let's let's as we as we wrap up our time here, I want to bring us back to this um, idea that Mark is placing this instructions to disciples right between the rejection of Jesus and the rejection of John the Baptist, and in fact. After this text today, there's there's a whole dialogue all the way to verse 29 that talks about John the baptizer and his rejection and his death. And then we hear that the disciples come back in verse 30. And so why why Mark really, if you guys haven't picked up yet, Mark really likes to do this. Mark really likes to make a sandwich. (laughs) He likes to sandwich things in his gospel together to make a point to us. And the point that he's making here is that, yes, we might be rejected, but we, we are ministering in the shadow of rejection. We are ministering in the shadow of death. Despite the display of God's kingdom through the healing and the deliverance through these disciples, there, there's a reminder here that we are doing this in the shadow of death and it still hangs over all of mankind that reject God as their king. Even so, God's messengers will be rejected and killed, but his message will go on. Literally speaking, Jesus died. John the Baptist died. But even in this passage, 12 more stand up in their place to continue displaying this message, proclaiming this message to the world. How many of you are here? 75 maybe? You're here as a result of their message being displayed and declared to the world. And so we are taking part in this not only as beneficiaries, but now we are being sent out to also trust the Lord in this way and to go gather His people and to display His kingdom to the world. The disciples continued this ministry even in the face of rejection and death because they were learning to trust the King. They were learning to gather the King's people. They were learning to display the King's kingdom. And when Jesus comes again and brings His kingdom in full display, there will be no bondages to sin. There will be no sicknesses. There will be a full display of His kingdom. And and until that day, I am praying that we can continue with courage to display the kingdom like this. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for a message like this. We thank You, God, for your uh, direction, to know um, how to interact as disciples, how to be sent out as your representatives. And I pray, God, that we would all grow in our trust of you, that we would all grow in how we gather your people, that we would be bold in going out into our communities to preach this message and to display your kingdom. Would you give us that uh, type of courage today with your authority and with your power? And if there's any here that has not received that message, that has not uh, accepted you as their King, as their Lord, and as their Savior. I pray, God, that you would work in their hearts now. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.